Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Uh, you see the letter of Paul to the church at Philippians. And it's a marvelous study. Last week we did chapter 1. We finished chapter 1. There's four chapters. We want to do uh, two chapters. Uh, we want to do half of a chapter today, half of the chapter. Uh, next week, that'll be chapter 2. Chapter 3, we're going to do the same thing. Then we'll do a standalone message for Easter Sunday. And then we'll come back and finish up uh, the fourth chapter. Uh, it's a marvelous chapter in, in uh, Philippians after Easter. If you open your Bibles to, let's start in John, John chapter 14, in verse, let's start in verse uh, 7. If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on, you know me, him, and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it will be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, uh, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything, in my name, I will do it. In verse, down in verse 21, 23, it says, if, any, any, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode in him. Verse 24 says, he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which I what you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. In verse 15, in chapter 15, verse 12 and 13, says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friend. Now, I want to read that introducing Chapter 2 of Philippians. Because it seems as though, as though God puts a high priority on keeping his commandments. That's what it seems as you read the, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He puts a high priority on keeping his commandments. But he's made it very simple to us because he has said in, in, in his word, uh, one, one of the Pharisees, uh, one of the uh, legal people asking, well, what's the greatest commandment? He said, I love God, Lord God, thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And the second one is likened to that one, love your neighbor as yourself. And he's, he's told us that many times in Galatians 5, he's, he said, um, chapter 5, verse 14, he says that uh, all the law... Is summed up in this word, in this statement, that love your neighbor as yourself. So he's, he's, he's narrowing it down to us loving others. That's what he's doing in John 13. He says, a new commandment I give, give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So love is very important. It's very, very important. So... What is, the, what is the relational culture in your house? 
What's the relational culture in your marriage, in your family, in the church here? What's the relational, how we relate to one another? How's that culture? And the culture being uh, uh, basically, what's the atmosphere like? You know, how, how, do we, how do we treat one another? How do we react to one another? How do we respond to one another? How do we uh, interact with one another? What's the relational culture like? What is the relational culture like in heaven with the Trinity? What's the relational culture like there? Is there a love relationship? Is there a, 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 a rivalry between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Or what is, it? is there a coldness there? What is the relationship like? Because we want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are, we are trying to encourage you in Philippians chapter 2 that God wants this to happen. And until that happens, we probably are not going to be used by God like he wants us to be used to help others in on our job, in our neighborhood, because all those, the relational things, it, it is real. Because Jesus related when he was on this earth to other people. How did he relate to other people? Because when People, our neighbors have seen us, they've seen Jesus. If you believe that Jesus is in us, that God is in us, is God in us? You know, I read that in, in, in uh, uh, the Gospel of John, I read that if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That's what he said now, you'll keep my word. And my father will love him. And we, the Father and the Son, will come to him or her and make our abode. They will stay with you. That's what he said. So do we have the Father and the Son abiding in us? When we got saved, we know we have the Holy Spirit in us as our guide, as our teacher. He brings to our remembrance all those things he said to us, that Jesus said to us. Can people say, when I've seen you, I've seen Jesus. You don't have to show us Jesus. You don't have to show us the Father. Just, it, it suffices us enough to see you. Can we say that? We should be able to say that. Now, chapter 2 in, <laughs> in Philippians, it addresses that. Now, let's, let's look at it in Verse 1, 1 through 4 really addresses that. Let's go to Philippians. This is where we, the book that we're in. We're going to cover part of the first, the, the, the uh, first part of chapter 2 and the last part of chapter 2. Next week we're going to take, take care of the middle of chapter 2. Therefore, oh, what does that mean? We know it means therefore, but therefore means what? It means that something that I have said or that's been said previously, because of that, I'm saying this now. And some verses might, might read, and then therefore, or and then, or because, you know, in different ways, but in, in the Greek it means therefore. I've said this thing. Where have you said something at? You remember last week we talked in verse, what about verse uh, 27 through 28 and 29 in, in chapter 1? It was talking about conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of our calling in Jesus Christ. And it, it also said that, that uh, uh, we should have one spirit standing firm with one mind striving together. It said that in verse 27. Well, 
he started talking about unity up in, 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 that, in, in that chapter. So it leads right into chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ. Is there any encouragement in Christ? Sure, Christ is encouraging us. Sure. If there is any consolation or comfort, is there any comfort in Christ? Does he comfort us? Can you depend upon Christ comforting you at 2 in the morning? If you get a stomachache, if something happened to a child of yours, can you call upon the Lord, or do you want to call upon somebody in the natural, in the flesh, all the time, and don't even call upon Jesus. He's our comforter, isn't he? He's our comforter. There's comfort in Christ. It says, if there is any fellowship of the Holy Spirit, oh, there's fellowship, there's communion, there's partnership, there's community with the Holy Spirit. Then it says, if any affection and compassion make my joy. You remember we said that there are, that the theme of Philippians is, and also the, the uh, basically the central idea of Philippians, you're going to hear it over and over again, is rejoice in the Lord. Or my joy, or joy. You're going to hear that all the time. Just in chapter 1, uh, oh my goodness gracious, it's probably uh, 4 or 5 in, in, in chapter 1. There's four of them I know about joy, rejoice, my joy. And then it starts off in chapter 2, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Why is he saying that? What is going on that he's already talked about it in verse 27 of chapter 1? He's already talked about it, uh, about unity. Now he's starting on that again, this unity thing. What is his problem? And he keeps talking about unity to this church that he loves, that, that, that he's writing this letter to. What's going on? He hasn't told us anything that's happening except he was, he was giving us greetings and showing gratitude for the Philippian church. Uh, for the gift they have sent, uh, but he hasn't said anything. So unity must be important, huh? Being of the same mind must be important. Being of one spirit must be important. Oh. Well, let's, let's go on with this. I, I don't understand what you're talking about, Paul. He says in verse 3, do nothing. That means absolutely nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. One, one might say vain conceit. But if I don't do anything with selfishness and empty conceit, this is but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, to me, he has just told me, told us, I want you to love others as I have loved you. He's just saying it in another, another way. Isn't it? How are you going to regard somebody more important than yourself? How are you going to look out for somebody else's personal interest more than your personal interest, yours, if you don't love them? How are you going to do that? And plus, we know that he says that love others as I have loved you. That was in, 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 in chapter 15 of, of the Gospel of John. Remember, I read those two verses. And plus, I quoted the one from uh, John 13. It says, love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? Because that's what he's saying here. Now, 
God never tells you to do something without telling you how to do it. He always tells you how to do it. Because that would be unfair, wouldn't it? To tell us, oh, I want you to do this. Well, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You figured it out. No, he doesn't do that. He loves us. You wouldn't tell that to your children, would you? I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And uh, by the way, I want you to do this also. Is that, how, how do I do that? Well, you figure it out. You figure it out. And you usually, <laughs> usually if you, you played in the sports, uh, person said, well, I'm not your mom and daddy. You figure it out. Well, they know your mother and dad. They'll tell you, won't they? They usually say mother. They don't include the dad. But they say your mother because the mother is kind of compassionate. You know, the father, he, he, he might tell you to figure it out, you know. Uh, but your mother not going to do that. Your mother loves you, right? Mother is, is sensitive. Okay, the father, we got to work on that sensitivity. Uh, father, you know, but the mother is sensitive. Would you agree with me, ladies? You're sensitive. Yeah. I'm not going to ask the men if you do it. Well, if I'm supposed to do nothing out of selfishness, he just messed up when he said that. Paul, do you realize that the human being, we're all selfish. We're all selfish. Do you realize that I can't really uh, regard somebody else more important than me? Because I think I'm pretty important. You know, the world will, will tell you how important you are. You know, don't let anybody tell you, you know, you, 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 you're important. Well, you, you are important to God. And God tells you you're important. But he wants something different. Because importance means that you have died to yourself and you're alive in him. And you are moving and flowing in the spirit of God. That's when you are great in the eyes of God. That's scripture. You know that? He who wants to be the greatest has to be the what? Servant of all. Right? He told his disciples that because they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. You know that? He told them. The greatest is going to be the servant of all. That's why he washed his disciples' feet. So, are you like I am? Just as selfish as you can be. Are you like that? Or you want to admit it? Okay, you want to admit it then. Okay. It's okay with me. God knows. I, I, I admit it. I am selfish. I am selfish. You said that's a bad confession. Well, it's the truth. It's a fact. I am selfish. I want to be less selfish, but I'm selfish. And it says there that he told us why, how. He said, I cannot regard somebody else more important than, than me unless God does something in me to change me. And he's and, and I can't merely look out for my own personal interests, but for the interests of others. I can't do that unless God does something in me. Because it does not come natural. It doesn't. So I have to pray, God help me. Help me be less selfish. Help me think of somebody else other than myself. Help me, Lord. I have to do that. And if you're not doing that, then probably what's, what's happening is that you're fooling yourself. You think you are as humble as you can be because he told us how we can do that. He says that uh, I want you to do nothing out of selfishness or interest conceit, but what's, what's behind the but in verse 3? With humility of mind. With humility of mind. What's humility? 
I like to say humility is putting yourself under the word of God. That's humility. Being obedient to the word of God. He says it in, I think it's 1 Peter 5, 5 somewhere. He says that God resists the proud and he gives what? Grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in the proper time. He didn't say, I'm going to humble you. He says, humble yourselves by doing what? Crawling around the house? No. Humble yourselves under under your wife, under your husband, under the, under the society, under what? Under the mighty hand of God. It takes great humility to be obedient to the word of God. Because when you're obedient to the word of God, you're obedient to Jesus Christ. In the beginning, it says in John 1, 1, was the what? Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So the relational atmosphere in your house, in your marriage, should be one of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. That should be the relational atmosphere in your marriage, in your family, in your church, you know, everywhere you go, that's supposed to be the relational atmosphere. That's what it's supposed to be. If you relate to, if you're in a relationship with anybody, whether you're friends or whether you're coworkers or whatever, you're in this club together, whether you, whatever it is, it's supposed to be marked by regarding, you know, it did not say that that word regard. That word regard does not, if they took that out, he would have said, but with all humility, but with humility, he would say, I want you to know that this person, another person, make them more important than yourself. He didn't say that. He said, regard them. Regard them. Regard them means to view view them as, count them as. They are not now, but count them as. Right? Count them as as, as more important than you. It's a do not merely look at your, merely now, look at your, out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. It doesn't say don't look out for your interest. Just look out for the interest of somebody else. He says, don't merely look out for your, your own interests, but also the interests of others. So in my marriage, I'm supposed to be looking out for the interests of my wife. My wife should be looking out for the interests of me. We should be looking out for the interests of our children. Our children should be looking out for the interests of us. Uh, that's, in here, we're supposed to be looking out for the interests of one another. And not just our personal, not just our personal interests. Right? You're supposed to regard each other in here as more important than yourself. Now, that would be something, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? In your marriage, in your family, in your, you would never have any children that, 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 that ever did, you know, they, they, anything wrong without asking for forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. You, you wouldn't have a marriage out. You wouldn't have all this stuff going on in marriages. You wouldn't have all this stuff going on in church. You, you wouldn't have that. The atmosphere would be one of, hey, look, uh, 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 this, is a, this is important to me, but I know that this is important to you. Now, I, I'm going to look out for myself, you know, some, but I, I also have to look out for you. And what we do is look out just for ourselves. That's what we do. I'm, I'm, now, now I'm talking about me. That's what, we, that's what I do. Because, now, I look out for you, 
if it doesn't interfere with me, you know, and what I want. Isn't it? Come on now. This is this is this is real now. But suppose I would neglect what I want to be a blessing for you, for what you want, and what I know you need. Suppose I did that. I know you need this. I know this will help you. I know that uh, uh, this will this will just be something that that it will cause you to just go to a higher level in the Lord if I would meet these needs. But I don't want to do that because what happened is that I had to neglect some of my needs. What does God say? God says that you can't even fast. He said, this is a fast that I have chosen that you fast to give your bread to the poor. Fasting is not uh, for you uh, to just fast to get something, to gain something from the Lord. No. No. No, you're not doing that. You're fasting for a purpose. You want to you you hear more from the Lord, so you want to neglect some of the things that you maybe do to spend more time with the Lord in, in, in prayer and, in, and maybe reading the Scripture. Uh, but you also want to take that which you have neglected to eat and give it to the poor. That's the fast, he says, that I have proclaimed. God is that other person minded. Now, let's, let's, let's go a little further than that. Now, now that's, the, that's the law of love now, right there. We want you to regard, not that they are, regard one another as more important than you. That's verse 3. And do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, that's good. How do I do that? I said, you have to do one phrase. What did I say? Humble. With all humility, you got to humble yourself. You must humble yourself. You must humble yourself. You must not think of yourself more highly than you are. You got to humble yourself. Humble yourself. That's what you got to do. That's how you, we're going to walk this out. We all should be walking in humility. Now, okay, God, we're supposed to be walking in humility. That's excellent. But I don't know how to do it. You told me to humble myself under the mighty hand of God, under the word of God. That's how I do it. But God, your word, some of the, some of the word is just, I'm not there yet. The word you just said about regarding others is more important than yourself. I'm not there either. So how do I do this thing, Lord? You got to help me in this thing, if we're being honest with you. Okay, so God, he said, okay, I'm going to show you how to, how, I, I'm going to help you in humbling yourself. I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm going to give you an example, some examples. So let's look at some examples today. Uh, we will close out with these examples. Who is the ideal example of humility? Jesus. Let's look at it in verse 5. He says, have this mind or this attitude. What attitude? This mindset, this attitude means mindset, have this mind in the King James. mean mindset. You got to have this mindset. What mindset? Because see, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find out there, God, what you're saying. Because we do want to be obedient to his word today, don't we? But then, but then how do we, because the Philippians, he's not just, Paul is not just saying, you know, I'm resident, I don't have nothing else to do. You know, I'm, I'm witness to these guards, uh, you know, Praetorium God. I'm, I'm witness to them. I'm having fun. But now I'm kind of, he's asleep. He's not going to listen to me. So I'm going to write a letter. So I'm going to ask him for some paper. Hey, I'm going to write a letter to you. I don't have nothing else to do. He's not doing that. And surely the Holy Spirit, surely God's not putting this in the word of God because he doesn't have nothing else to do. He wants us to obey. So what attitude is it talking about? Have this attitude. What attitude? The attitude in verse 3 and verse 4. Doing nothing out of selfishness. Regarding others more important than yourself. Not looking out for merely your own interests, but the interests of others. That mindset 
I want you to have that mindset in yourself. That's what it says, in yourself. Okay? I got that. I got that, Paul. Okay, now, give me some, give me some more. Give me some more, Paul. Which was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's my example then, Christ Jesus. What did he do? What did he do to look out for my interests and not his interests? What did he do? He says, well, look at what it says here. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God. Was he, is, is he equal? Is he God? A thing to be grasped. A thing to be, you know, you know kind of held on to. Because he could have said, uh-uh, oh, oh, no. I am not going down there in, in some flesh of some, my, I created them, didn't he? Nothing was created that wasn't created through Jesus. I created them. You want me to go down there and put myself in, 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 that, in a body? Father, I'm a spirit. I'm just like you, right? God is a spirit, right? And to be limited in this body will be something, wouldn't it? Because where is God? Everywhere, isn't it? I'm the problem. He's everywhere, isn't it? Well, Jesus is everywhere, isn't it? Holy Spirit is everywhere. He, he, he got to be everywhere if he's in all of us and all Christians all over the world. He got to be everywhere. So you're going to limit him to a body? He says that equality with God, he not. He did not regard it, you know, he didn't count it as, because he was now, but he didn't count it as, he didn't reckon it as something to be grasped, held on to. But what did he do instead? He emptied himself, taking on the form of a bond servant, being in the likeness of being. Being found in the appearance of a man. That's what he, he was in the appearance of a, of a man. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. Now, now, now you can imagine when Moses went out to this tent to pray, and when people, when the people, this is why I say they, they go against Moses, they act foolish and everything. When the glory shows up, oh my goodness. You know what they say? When the, when the glory Lord shows up, man, you better look out, right? The Lord shows up. He is glorious. Glorious. Just think of an amount of transfiguration. He was, he was in his body, but then they saw, right? Three of them, Peter, James, John. They saw, woo! Look at this man. They didn't, Jesus no longer looked like them. He was man, woo! Right? He says, oh my God, I want those that you've given me. Listen, Gospel, John 17. I, I want to. The glories you have given me. I want the ones you give me to see to be with me where I am, because I want them to see the glory that you have given me where I am here. How glorious do you think he is? Right. So he he emptied himself. He 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 became a bond servant, and being in the found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself. How did he humble himself? How did Jesus humble himself? Well, he humbled himself by the Father wants to, the Father, for God so loved the world that he gave, come on, his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believes him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God wants this relationship restored. The only way it's going to be restored is he got to send somebody down to live a life in the flesh and die in his flesh and pay the price for our sins because we are flesh. And Jesus was obedient to it. God the Son, I'll do it. I'm not going to count myself equal with you to be grasped. I'm not going to regard this as something to be grasped because I know uh, we are we we are the same. We are God. I mean, we we are one. You know, uh, uh, but I'm going to obey. I'm going to do this thing. I want it, it gives me great pleasure to obey you, Father. Right? He always does that that pleases the Father. Says. So therefore, this is what it says. Being in, found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, you remember I said humility, true humility, is humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, under the word of God. That's true humility. Okay, he humbled himself, he humbled himself by being obedient to the word of God because he had to go to the cross. That's why he said, you know, hey, God, there's another way to do this thing. Hey, uh, uh, let's, let's do this thing a different way. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Right? So therefore, that's how we have to humble ourselves by being obedient to the word of God. We can humble ourselves by that way. And how are we going to, what, what, what are we going to be? What are we going to obey? We don't have but one commandment. One. Love others as I have loved you. How did you love me? I died for you. I emptied myself. I came down from all the glory that I had, all this glory, and I, 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 put, I became limited to this body, this, this, this body. That we created, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we created. I became a bond servant. I served you. Your creator served you. That's what I did. I went to the cross, and that was a wretched death. I was spit on. I was out with all my glory. I could have turned everybody around me into a flea. You know what a flea is, don't you? You can't see them on things. They might be on animals, you know, dogs and stuff. He could do anything he wanted to do, couldn't he? He'll say, hey, if you, if you, God, come down from the cross. You know, usually you're the son of God. You, you think you're something, you know. He doesn't have to prove anything. He knew who he was. That's how we humble ourselves. Of being obedient. God said, even to the point of death. Well, we're going to have to be, in order for us to obey God, his, this word, we're going to have to die to self, don't we? You know, self, our selfishness, we're going to have to die to that. If, I, if you're going to, if I am going to, and you are going to think more of somebody else than we think of ourselves, we're going to have to die. We're going to have to die. And we're going to look on somebody else's interest and not just our own, we're going to have to die to the self. I tell you. That's one example. Ideal example. The next example, look over in verse 17 and 18 of chapter 2. It says, it's talking about Paul, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice of your service, sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you. I rejoice and share my joy with you. And you too, I urge, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Even if I'm, even if I'm offering myself, as a 
drink offering being poured out as a sacrifice to your service. You remember he said it. Oh, do I think God, I might go. I might stay. I don't know, but I think to go is better than to stay. But I'm going to stay because it's more beneficial for you. You remember? It was in chapter 1. But now he says that even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice. He said, I rejoice. He was, he, now, now, is that servant, 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 servanthood or not? That's servanthood that you're going you're gonna to suffer because you want somebody else to come to the Lord. You want somebody else to grow in their faith. Because Paul was very serious about the church. All his churches. He thought he was very, uh, uh, very serious about that. Paul got drug out of a city, stoned. I mean, stoned and drug out of the city, dead. That the people get get around all the people get around him, disciples, and and he gets up, goes back into the city. Man, shipwreck, pearls. I mean, nakedness in the sea. All this stuff, man, shipwreck. Oh. Snake jump on his arm, you know, bite him. I mean, this is all being poured out. Now, that's an example of a, of a human being, though. You said Jesus did, but here's Paul doing it, right? And so Paul wasn't, he wasn't married. He didn't have no wife to go back to, you know, to say, hey, where you been? You know? No, Paul did it for Christ's sake. He chose to be single. He chose to be single. And here's another one, verse 19. Here's two more. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one, no one else of kindred spirit who would genuinely, genuinely be concerned about your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests and not those of Christ Jesus. Isn't that? Verses 3 and 4. 3 and 4. He was supposed to be, the, the, all the other people were supposed to be looking out for the interests of Christ Jesus by, you know, uh, serving the church and, 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 and uh, the, the, the laws and all like that. But they were looking out for their own interests. So Paul said, I can't send anybody. All of them are gone away. Except Timothy. He's the only one concerned about your welfare. Whoa. Whoa. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But here's Paul. Everybody left him. Except Timothy. Except Timothy. And that's, that's being poured out also, isn't it? But I know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself almost also will come shortly. There's two examples in the flesh. Other than the ideal, Jesus. Listen to verse 25. Here's the last one. But I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my needs. Because he was longing for you all because he was longing for you all and was distressed because he had heard, you have heard that he was sick. When do we get, when do we get 
distressed, discouraged. I was sick. Nobody even knew it. Nobody even called me. They didn't bring me no meals. I could have died. Special single person, right? And that's our cue that we we need to look around sometime and see, hey, where is such and such a person? Where is this person? Where is this person? You know, because they might be sick. And you're in this love community that we're looking out for the interests of others and not just ours. And you don't even call? Say, hey, just want to check up on you, okay? Right? You got to be concerned for somebody else, right? Than just yourself. You got to be concerned about somebody else other than yourself. Because don't you know we depend upon you? The body of Christ, the finger, the arm, the feet, the leg, the eyes. We, 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 we depend upon you. And if you decide, that, I think I'm going to sleep in today. It's a nice day. Matter of fact, it's cold outside. Matter of fact, they, they said it might rain. I think I'm going to sleep in today. Don't you think we need you? Christ needs you. You're the body of Christ. Right? Hey. Now, did y'all know that Joel was sick for at least a week, last week? Joel, you missed two weeks or one week? I think it was two. I didn't call him. I saw, I saw Dave. I saw your husband. And so he said that, you know, you were, yeah. matter of fact, I don't think I asked you, Dave, where Joel was. I was talking to you. Isn't that terrible? I told you I was selfish. Isn't that terrible? Do y'all know who Joy is? Who doesn't know Joy? I know you're scared to raise your hand. Cause you <laughs> oh, boy. I, I know her name because she took the class. Her and her husband took the class. Uh, gave a next Connect Step class. And so I found out the name. Know one another. Because it's important, isn't it? That's important. Be concerned about somebody else other than your what? Self. I didn't even know. Didn't even know that Beverly was sick. I just hadn't seen her. And then, uh, what did you tell Melinda? Well, she, 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 was, she went to the hospital. And then she came back from the hospital. Then she went to the hospital again for another reason. And then she came back and then she got sick. I didn't know that. Did you know that? And nobody knew that. And see, she could have said, hey, I'm, a, I'm not coming to that church anymore because nobody cares about me. Nobody. They don't call me. They don't uh, uh, see what, how my welfare is, any of that such thing. She wouldn't do that, though. But see, here's Epaphroditus. He got distressed because he heard, because the people in, in Philippi heard that he was sick. And he didn't want them concerned. He cared for them. I don't want you concerned about me. It is distressing me for you to know that I'm sick now. You're going to worry about me. That's probably what Beverly felt. She probably felt that I worry about her, so she didn't let me know. Oh, indeed, he, he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him. And now, not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you will rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. God. Why? Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what, you, what was deficient in your service to me. So Epaphroditus, he was, he was trying to bridge the gap between the church of uh, Philippi and the gift. And he came to Paul. He saw Paul had needs. 
And he worked himself till he got sick and almost died. He was like a, a drink off from being poured out for the service of Paul and serving Christ and trying to reach out. Today was an encouragement that we want our atmosphere in here. We want our atmosphere in our marriage. We want our atmosphere in our family to be one of love. And when I say love, I'm speaking of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I want you to think more, you know, of somebody else than you do yourself by not merely thinking on your own personal interests, but also on the interests of others. Like Jesus did. Like Paul did. Like Timothy did. Like Epaphroditus did. They were all men of God. And the best example is like Jesus did. Who humbled himself and became obedient to death, to death for our salvation. Can we do that same? This is an encouragement to me. Is that I need prayer. Y'all pray for me. I need prayer to be less selfish and to be thinking of somebody else other than Willie Taylor. Because I get great joy out of my comfort. Don't you? Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.